I find it fascinating that a song can create a moment for you, a moment you might never forget. Maybe it's a moment that you realize something that you otherwise wouldn't have realized. And this song does that for me. This song makes me feel grateful for my family and how proud I am to have the family that I have. And stay tuned to the end. We have something a little extra special for you on this one. Thanks for listening. Michael, I have seven siblings. <laughs> I have I have seven siblings. There are eight of us. Okay, for the for the nobody, record, nobody. he totally just started that sentence. Was like, Michael, I have eight, and then he stopped because he doesn't even know how many siblings he has. Uh, that was great. So I, I have I have seven siblings. There are eight of us. I'm the second oldest. Okay. And uh, uh, my youngest sister, Barbara Madeline, is half my age. And so I was moving out of the house when she was just a baby. I remember her birth. I remember holding her as a baby. Like, uh, and I was, I was uh, boy, I don't know, 16 or 17 at the time. And so I, I moved out. <clears throat> I moved out while she was very young. So I didn't get a chance to, same with Gabe and Jonah. Um, uh, they, they were very little, very little kids uh, when I left the house, five, six, something like that. Uh, they were definitely in the cute stage um, of, of their lives. And uh, <clears throat> as, as they got older, as all my siblings got older, they turned very cool, like very cool. Uh, like if I would have been their age, I would have wanted them as the friend at school for sure. You know, they wore chucks. They listened to great music. The guys had long hair. Uh, they started playing music. They were thinking independently. They, they never got um, really sucked into the world of, of religion or going to church like I did. And, and I don't, it, my my parents never forced that upon me. I had my own experience. It was my my choice, my decision going in there. But they lived what I would consider maybe a more free. It, they they had a, a, a definitely a more free teenage years of not being, not having the weight in their mind of of a relationship with God and and not wanting to to deserve hell. You know they they didn't they didn't go through that kind of mental torture. I'm sure they had their own. It just wasn't that. Um, and so, uh, um, they were very, very, very cool. As I got older, I felt like that weird, creepy older brother. That's like, dude, I, I really want to hang with my younger siblings way more than I do. But, you know, everybody kind of has their own path. You know, it's just like friends that you had in high school. You don't really talk with much anymore. If at all, I might talk with two of the people that I knew from high school period and uh, um, everybody's just, they kind of have their own friends. We see each other at family stuff. We hug each other. We all love each other. We'll go disc golfing every once in a while. You know, I see my family plenty. But, like, I really think that I could have played, I could play in a band with Sam, Gabe, Jonah, Maddie, and 
absolutely have the best experiences playing music. They're all phenomenal musicians, great people, and and uh, and I love them to death. And I, I bring them up because this song we're going to break down today, I Will Follow You Into the Dark by Death Cab for Cutie. Um, I got married to my wife uh, in 2005. This album came out in 2000, 2005 as well. And so the album Plans by Death Cab for Cutie... Um, I married a really cool woman who likes really good music, likes Pedro the Lion, Manchester Orchestra, Sleeping at Last, Death Cab for Cutie, doesn't listen to the radio. Like, it's great. And it's funny because she's not musical in any way, shape, or form, but she uh, uh, she she just kind of, she is drawn towards some of the same kind of emotional medium rock music that I'm, I'm drawn to. And uh, we overplayed the album Plans, for sure. We listened to that all the time, um, constantly, along with some sleeping at last stuff around that time of our lives. And uh, um, there, there, had, there had been a solid few years after, uh, after we overplayed that. We, we, we played it probably a year or two. We listened to it constantly. And then there, there were some years that went by that I just didn't, <clears throat> honestly, if I turned it on, it would be like I knew them so well, it was hard, it was hard to listen to. It was kind of just kind of one of those things. And uh, I liked other Death Cab for Cutie albums, Transatlanticism, great album. So they're, they're a great artist. Um, <clears throat> but then, uh, I don't know how many years ago, maybe five or six, time escapes me. Um, I heard my sister Maddie play this song on ukulele and sing it. And it took everything within me to not just bawl my eyes out. Um, it was... It was the first time as an older brother because I didn't get the experience of growing up in the same house as her. It was the first time as an older brother that I really um, recognized the talent level she had. And when you don't live in the same house as someone, you don't hear them all the time. You don't know how that is. And Maddie doesn't go around playing shows for people to hear. And so while my parents had heard how good she was, and even some of my siblings, because they were there for the ride with her in the same house, it was an emotional moment that, um, you know, I've, I've always, I, 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 love my, I love my family, love my siblings, always have, but there was something extra special about that moment that made me just realize, wow, um, how fortunate am I to have such a cool family that I can be myself I don't have to watch what I'm saying, watch what I'm doing, fake anything at all. I can be genuine. I, I can discuss the music that I love and have people that will discuss it with me because we like a lot of the similar artists. And when she played that song, it, it brought me back to the time when Becky and I had gotten married and had listened to it. And kind of life's journey, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a decade that had passed um, from the time the album came out and, and then 2015 or 16 or whenever when I heard Maddie sing it. And uh, I had all these just, you know, <clears throat> my life was flashing before my eyes, listening to my sister half my age sing this super compelling song that meant so much to me a decade before and how our paths took us to loving the same kind of music, being separated from each other. It was just... It was, uh, it was kind of, um, uh, I felt like I was outside of my skin. It was, it was very, very cool. Damn. 
Yeah, so I'm glad that you started with that because when we decided to listen to this, now for any of those or all of those thousands listening, Brandon is a very studious and organized individual. So when we discussed doing this, the first kind of run we did at it, we were just chatting and what have you. And we realized early on that we needed some sort of structure and whatever. We wanted to curate it a little more. And so one of the things he did is he, he wrote down some, some questions and things to consider. And so as I was listening to this song last night, I'm the one who suggested us listen to this because he was throwing out suggestions. I'm the one that decided, I should say. He was like, yeah, you know, and, and he was talking about some different songs on the phone and he's like, yeah, and then there's like, you know, Death Cab for Cutie, like I'll Follow You Into the Dark. And I was like, oh man, I love that song. Let's talk about that song. So Brandon, last night I go to listen to the song <laughs> and when I'm thinking of the topic why we chose this song, my response was because I'm an idiot. Because I wasn't thinking, I was just thinking about myself because when I turned the song on last night, I was like, dude, this is such a plain emo, let's all go throw ourselves off a building together. No disrespect to anyone who's done that. But if you've done that and are listening to this song, I want to I wanna hear your story of how you survived listening to a Death Cab for Cutie song, throwing yourself off a building, and now you're alive listening to this. That's spectacular. But anyways, um, you know, it did really help me when I listened to this song. So thinking back, this was kind of one of those artists in musical genres that moved me away from let's pick up chicks and get laid <laughs> because, <laughs> because unfortunately, if we're being honest, I was on a fast track to being a person that I'm not too fond of today. And that was kind of the culture that I had. And so some of my, some of my uh, friends early on, Tyler Wolf, shout out, uh, Brandon, Brandon Miller and, and Ryan Tucker, I met some guys who were really against the grain when it came to that like alpha male personality. And I had been kind of surrounded by that alpha male personality my whole life. You know, I was not raised around or spent a whole lot of time with um, artistic minded people. I was an athlete when I was younger and that's, you know, what my drive was and what have you. So I had this like strange collision with literature and music when I was in high school and it drastically changed me. And I would like switched a lot of friend groups and then ended up hanging out with these primarily homeschooled, you know, kind of outcasts. And I was just so drawn to them. And so when I was, when I was listening to this song last night, I was thinking of like, okay, on a sincere note, like what do you even have to offer about this? And it really was, you know, I think his name's Ben Gibbard, the front man, but who knows? I don't know. This is one of those examples where they're just death cab for cutie. <laughs> yeah, let's and just keep there's that. a guy that sings it and plays it. I just don't. I think his name is Ben or Benjamin. I, I don't know death what he cab. goes by. But, and then the drummer's yeah. for cutie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, whenever Death Cab wrote this song, yeah, so it's early 2000s. Yeah, it's emo, what have you. But I mean, come on. I'll follow you into the dark no matter what. If heaven and hell, right, won't take you, I'm there with you. There's something really pretty about that, and I dig that. And so let's 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 get into that. What uh, 
I guess you kind of covered what the song means to you. So if you want to speak more on that, that's fine. I, but yeah, I think lyr- lyrically it's funny because now the song is a, a bit of a testament to me of my my love for my family, which is kind of which is kind of funny because that's this song would have never done that for me back when the album came out and I listened to it so much. But it has a little bit of a different meaning nowadays, and I think that's why it was important enough for me to bring up as a song that I wanted to discuss. Um, Cause that's cool how music can do that. It can mean one thing. And then a decade later, it can, it can bring up an entirely set of, of different feelings and emotions and songs are very powerful in that way. There are a couple of things with the song, you know, it's, it's tough to break down a song that is one dude singing and strumming the acoustic guitar, right? So there's not a whole lot of crazy elements. There's not a lot of buildups. There's no soft and then loud and then taking you on a journey and all that stuff. It's a very somber dude sitting on a bed playing his guitar and singing. And, and uh, so I don't think there's a whole lot to break down musically. Um, there are a couple of nerd, nerd things that I can bring up, but not a whole lot. And uh, <clears throat> one of the lines in the song that I thought was uh, very clever was, uh, if heaven and hell decide that they both are satisfied and illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs. I, I love that, illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs. Mm. It's just, you know, there's plenty of people, they've, they've all died, and they've either done really great or not so great, and uh, we're full. You know, we're just, we're full now. Um, I love how that's worded. It's, it's, uh, it's very creative. It's something I would have never thought of, but wish I would have thought of. It's, it's, it's super cool. And painting the picture of like um, loving somebody enough that <clears throat> you're going to live, you're going to live your life loving this person, holding them closely. And whether there's an eternity, whether there's somewhere beyond or not, if I've got one shot at this, it's you. We're going to go down into the dark together. You know, um, I kind of love how this is painted that way. In, for, for a love song, um, which is what this is, it's, um, it, it's kind of cool, especially with my background about, <clears throat> you know, li- living a life that uh, is just waiting to get to heaven um, and, and, and abandoning everything for God. Um, I kind of love the thought of, you know, for my wife, we've been married now for 15 years, have four kids. Um, we couldn't love each other more than we love each other now. Our relationship is better now than it's ever been. It's stronger now. Uh, we both have done a lot of individual self-discovery as well as, um, you know, all the all the nuances of being parents and learning how to go through your kids struggling with their grades or whatever it is, you know, and, and, and being able to lean on each other in that way. Like, you know, if there is no heaven, if there is no hell, and this is all we got, I somehow did it right because, cause she's there. And, uh, um, and, and I, I could do, I could do this again. If I had the opportunity to do life again, when this is over, Absolutely, hands down, I would do it the same way. I would take that over all of the extremes that there could be, all the lows that there are many, many, many. Most of the people that have ever lived and are alive have a shittier experience than I have. 
And <clears throat> to, to be selfish enough to think that I could do this again and maybe it would be better is kind of outlandish. It really is. Um, and so I, I share very much the same sentiment with my wife and, and with my siblings um, that uh, I'm, I'm good if this is it, man. Becky, that's Brandon's wife's name for all those who are listening. Becky, don't mess this up. Because if you heard what I just heard, no, really, man, that's that's absolutely gorgeous. And I love I love that about you, and I love that about your marriage. And I tell Cameo, like, you know, after some of the, like our porch hangouts, I really find a lot of joy in being happy for my dear friends' marriages and, and relationships, you know. And that was a turning point, too, to me. There was always something amiss when I was younger, because I come from a, uh, my, my mother and father were divorced and, um, my father was not the greatest husband to my mother. And there was something very fractured and, and I, I erred, you know, I ended up living with my mother as well as all my other siblings, right? We ended up living with my mother and, and I experienced a single mother in a low income living situations, raising five kids on her own, um, and man, talk about just really shifting the narrative. And I remember like when I was in high school and everything, like I was, I was younger. I had a, I had a lot of relationships, um, but there was always something amiss when I like heard men speak about women, like disrespectfully or like objectively and things like that. And I'm sure I did plenty of it, you know? I just know that eventually as I got older, there was something about respecting the person you're with, right? Whether you're with a male, a female, uh, someone who is gender neutral, there's something about having this, um, this submissiveness to them, this willing submissiveness to them uh, that I find very charming and not submissive as in unhealthy, right? I'm not advocating for unhealthy, but that's why these lyrics, I'll follow you into the dark. It's not, I'll lead you into the dark, you know? And so if we're talking about like gender roles, at least in, in our country, in our culture, it's refreshing to see that we're making strides for if someone is in a male, female, you know, heterosexual relationship that the males <laughs> are working towards following the females as, as of vice versa, how it's been for thousands of years, right? Mm -hmm. It's been, I'll lead you into the dark and you're going to listen to every dang word I say along the way. <laughs> you're coming, coming for the ride, baby. And if you get lost, I'll find another one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyways, to, to hear you talk about your own marriage and how that inspired you, I just, I think that's gorgeous. And yeah, I'll follow you into the dark. There's, there's just something, I don't know, I was thinking about lyrically, I'll follow you instead I'll lead you. There's something I just think that is very extraordinary about that, that, that use of, of the word follow. I, <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's good. I, I actually didn't, uh, I didn't think of it through that lens. That's, um, that's really cool. That's really cool to think of it that way. Here, here I am still kind of stuck on, you know, me coming out of an organized church and religion thing and figuring it out. And it's so hard for me to not look through that lens on some of these songs. And so, you know, the, 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 the second verse where, 
He says, in Catholic school, as vicious as Roman rule, I got my knuckles bruised by a lady in black, and I held my tongue as she told me, son, fear is the heart of love. So I never went back. And uh, the line, uh, son, fear is the heart of love, so I never went back. That's my favorite lyric in the song. And I think going through, again, my own experiences because they were very genuine and there's many people that that are following God and are having a very genuine experience and that should not be taken um, away from them, nor should it be taken for granted by them in the moment. Um, fear being the heart of love, like the fear, uh, a, a God-fearing man or woman um, is obviously what this lyric is kind of referencing in. And for him to say, so I never went back, um, the relationship that he has with the lady that he's writing this song for, there's no fear in that love. You know, there's no, uh, um, I guess <clears throat> there's, there's respect, there's, there's true love, but, but having no fear in that and knowing how genuine that is, that's like, nah, I'm good then. I'm good if it's because I, I got this thing going on here. And I would say with Becky and I, we have ultimate trust for each other. It's really great. There's no, there, there's no fear of one of us leaving or cheating or, you know, spending too much money and not having enough for the kids or abandoning the kids or, you know what I mean? There's, there's none of that. There's complete trust in each other. And so I know what that feels like. I get to experience that. I'm very, I'm very, um, grateful that I get to experience that daily with, with, with my wife. Uh, and so, uh, um, I, I love, I love how that, I love how that line is. Cause that's how I totally feel now is if there is any level of pressure, um, that would come to me from, from a belief standpoint, it'd be like, nah, I'm good. I'm not, I, I don't go through that anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't live in that world. And <clears throat> going back to what I said about having another shot at this life, doing it the same way. He has a line in here where it says, uh, from Bangkok to Calvary, um, or you and me, we've seen everything to see from Bangkok to Calgary, and the soles of your shoes are all worn down. The time for sleep is now, but there's nothing to cry about. Is a really great way to just to basically say, look, we've, we've lived a long life. We've lived a life that is fulfilled. We've had the chance to go places and see things and do things. The soles of our shoes are all worn down. We've been places. We've had experiences. So when it comes to the end, there's nothing. There's nothing to cry about. The way that we wanted to live this life, the way we we what, what we were, we need to be grateful with the way that we were able to live it. And um, I definitely see eye to eye with that. I I <clears throat> I don't need more than I've been giving. I than I've been given to make this feel like it's been a good ride, because I know how bad this has been for so many, so many people, for most people that have lived, it's been way worse than, than what I've had. And, and I think this, this song has just a great depiction of, of living a life, loving somebody, being grateful and, and feeling fulfilled. And, uh, um, it, it's, it's really, when it comes to love songs, it's, while it's, clearly a love song it's it's kind of it's kind of different i i love kind of the grateful mindset that's in it mm-hmm. yeah there's not this um there's almost like this stoicism instead of an ache in his lyrics yeah 
because in the narrator's lyrics, because the narrator has made a decision. There's not confusion on that. And that decision is to follow this individual, uh, whatever, whatever comes to be. And so there's, um, I think in a lot of love songs or what have you, there's, I don't know, there perhaps might be some more inner conflict, some more ache, some more drama. There's not a whole, and that's kind of, um, that's another thing to like. Although, you know, I make fun of it and say this is a super, you know, emo song and what have you. It's really not in a way because it's just kind of saying in a very delicate manner, hey, no matter what happens, I'm, I'm following you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not concerned. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. There's, there's. It's, it's almost kind of juvenile. The scene bringing up, you know, getting wrapped on the knuckles by a by a nun, and there's kind of almost these these. Um, if there's any sort of ache, it's just kind of with that child, uh, that that almost an, a teenage angst of having to, uh, you know, make these, you know, uh, decisions. You know what I mean? To revert away from from different things, but yeah, I I, I agree with you. It's uh. I'm grateful that there's, you know, more music like this. Um, And there's something to be said about how it is very um, simply constructed from a lyrical standpoint, but there's something pleasing about that, you know? We need to be able to write songs that you don't have to get super complex and we can enjoy them for what they are. It's kind of the music portion of this, just being the acoustic and the vocals, it's more intimate. Of course, um, it's funny because there there are some some uh, nerd level details here. Even in just such a simple simple song, right when the song starts, you can hear him breathing in the microphone a little bit, and it's either picked up because he's uh, through the vocal mic and they just left it there, <clears throat> or it's through the acoustic mic. It sounds a little more like it's through the vocal mic, and I think I think it was put there. Um, I think it was put there on purpose, to be honest with you, or left there on purpose. It wasn't something that was overlooked. It helped contribute to um, the raw sentiment um, and, and the intimacy of the song that, that's in there. <clears throat> One thing that happens in music that is hard for me to not hear, and I hope that when you listen to music, you don't get cursed by this. I'm about to put something out in the air that may be hard for you to not hear. It's like one of those uh, what's seen cannot be unseen. Um, and maybe maybe you already get this sensation and it's nothing new. But <clears throat> when he sings the line, um, if there's no one beside you when your soul embarks, then I'll follow you into the dark. He says beside you. And he s- says the word Jew in there. <laughs> so it's not, it's not beside you. It's beside you. And... Whenever that happens in music, those, those, those combination of words, um, it, it's hard for me to not hear it and get distracted by it. Um, every once in a while, it's okay with me when it's super raw. And like, let's say it's a punk song and they're just rocking out and you've got beside you and it's, and it's just whatever. I totally can handle all of those. That doesn't matter to me. In this song, it's actually kind of distracting. In this song, I wish he wouldn't have said beside you. Because even though they have a little bit of raw element with just acoustic and vocals, it sounds completely out of place and very weird to my ears. And I will never hear this song and not hear that. 
And then there's also... Hold on. Is yeah. it... Are you sure it's not because you're a Gentile and you feel <laughs> left out of the conversation? <laughs> Continue. Uh, perhaps. I didn't, I didn't think of it through that lens. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that's going on and that I hear in a lot of music is uh, the auto-tune on his vocals. Now, most vocals on almost all songs that have been out for over a decade have some kind of vocal tuning on them. Um, it would be harder to find songs that don't have vocal tuning. Now, you do have some songs that flat out, everybody knows, okay, that's got auto-tune because they're going for that effect. But tuning vocals is is uh, imperative to get a good to get good quality vocal sounds. I use it on all of my albums as well. I would never release an album without having some kind of auto tune on my vocal, because you can make it subtle and it helps the listener. Um, it it actually helps the listening experience. It doesn't have to pull on it and be totally there. But on this song, because I've worked with auto tune so much, I, I can hear it when I hear it on on people's vocals. I feel like it. It um, it's right most of the time. It's very good that it's on there, even in the setting where it's kind of a raw acoustic. Um, his voice really lends itself well to have it. But there are a couple of moments where you can really tell it pulling, especially on uh, "Lady in Black." The word "lady." Did you have you noticed this, or did this did this stick out in your mind at all when listening to it? Mm-hmm. No. When you listen to it, the word "lady," you can clearly hear the the auto tune shifting. Um, shifting the vocal on "Lady in Black," there are a couple other there are a couple other places within the song that you can actually clearly hear it if you're listening to that detail, but but especially on the word "Lady." So that's my my little nerd level of detail that I feel like there are a couple of points where he should have. Now I don't know how he recorded this. If he actually recorded him singing at the same time as him playing to get that, then they're working with what they got from a take. But if he actually did record, and this would be so hard to tell, but if he did record the vocals after recording the acoustic separately, like most people record music, then I feel like they either should have got a different take so that they didn't have to have such a harsh switch on the word lady, or um, or they should have just backed off on the auto-tune and let it be a little little out of tune when he went up. Because it's, it's a little distracting to my ears anyway. Mm-hmm. I... When it comes to this, I'll just say, by, by when I was when I was doing my homework and preparing to talk about this song, I knew you would have much more sincere and good material on it. And by this time, I was so burnt out that dude, that was a microphone just falling and smacking my acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah, I that didn't look like it was a good thing. So I'm gonna just keep talking. I hope you didn't lose a bunch of money with what just happened. Nah, it it didn't really hit. it it kind of more of hit the stand it was on, not the actual guitar. So we're in good shape. How how is that an expensive? Is that an expensive microphone? The most expensive. Yeah, Brandon. No, it's it, it's really not. That's primarily why I'm friends with Brandon. He's got a bunch of money. He's my boss too. So, um, you know. Anyway, uh, back to what you were saying. Sorry that distracted you. So I was so burnt out that I wrote down something that I thought made me chuckle when I was thinking of favorite lyrics. The I believe this is the opening line. Love of mine, someday you will die. I I wrote, <laughs> I'm going to use that one on Cameo when she makes me mad. Dude, you know what's funny? I have in my notes and I didn't mention it on the song is I, I actually love how he gets right to the death of his love. <laughs> yeah. Immediately. Just gets right to, hey, you're dead. 
hey baby well she's not she's not quite dead he's just letting her know you're gonna die one day <laughs> and i'm about to blow your socks off with this romantic uh number um anyways <laughs> <laughs> which you know brandon said you you said that you and becky listen to this often in the beginning of your marriage I wouldn't be surprised if that had something to do with the fact that how long after you got married was Becky pregnant for the first time? Months. Is is very And that'll quickly. do it. And that'll yeah. do it. Probably happened because of this album. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I don't. I, that I, I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> so what is um, your what is your favorite lyric of the song? That's so you're gonna have to answer because that was mine was oh, a was. joke. Oh. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I yeah I had lost it by that time. How about, about your yours? favorite uh, your favorite musical element? When 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 he sings in the blackest of rooms, when he holds yeah, out the holds rooms, up. that's I yeah that's yeah a, I, I like that nice. I like that part. I I do like how with the the acoustic and some of the things that they put in there, they didn't over process it. They still try to keep it a little bit raw. There are nuances of the recording that they could have definitely polished up, which is funny because actually on most of their tracks, especially on that album, they're very, very polished songs. It's part of their sound is being very polished on, on that album. Transatlanticism, I don't feel was as polished as plans, and it kind of lent itself to be a little more raw emo. But uh, that song specifically, they still left it kind of raw on the acoustic. So on Genius.com, shout out to Genius.com. I love that. I love that website. Um, sometimes they'll give the little side. They'll pull different articles from magazines or interviews and stuff to give back background context. To give background context. To give context on the lyrics. And they said, and I think I tried to chase the article last night, but I couldn't. I don't know. I didn't find it. Um, but it said on there that uh, it was like from the point of view of like the producer or something that they were supposed to be recording a different song at that point in time and something wasn't working with the equipment or something wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. And Ben Gibbard, AKA death cab, uh, <laughs> apparently he picked up the guitar and started playing this and things weren't ready to be recorded the way they wanted to. But the producer, whoever was working uh, with him, love the way it sounded it was perfect and they left a lot of things alone so i think it's funny that you That's picked cool. up on that it was left that way on purpose i believe yeah yeah um how are you going to apply this to your life um i think i think you know it's it's okay it's okay if this is it if there's no afterlife if we don't get another shot um while while you're here um appreciate, be grateful for what you have and who you have um, because it's okay if this is it. And uh, um, lo love, love the people that are, love the people that are by you. Um, um, treat it like this, this is the shot. And uh, um, I'm just, I'm super grateful that I can live that kind of life, that I have the wife that I have, that I have the siblings that I have, that I have the relationship with my family, that I don't have to, <clears throat> I don't have to, uh, be careful with what I say or how I act or what I love. I love that I'm able to just nerd out with my siblings on music stuff and uh, um, uh, I, I guess be, be grateful. Be grateful for those moments. I love that. I love that, man. Um, yeah, mine would be, I mean, my marriage is a huge, like, 
testament slash like challenge to this principle of I want to I want to learn how to follow better. I whether it was the way I was raised or things that I decided for myself when I was younger, I've always had this inclination to want to lead, you know, to be the the center of attention or what have you. And my adult experience has largely been trying to strip that away, maybe be a leader when the time is necessary, you know, but how to learn how to follow people more, how to be a more active and better listener, things like that. And so my wife, Cameo, she is just tremendous at that. Um, So good, in fact, that my self-centeredness will like overshadow her, you know? And so my marriage, my relationship with her, you know, has been a practice of learning how to follow her more, you know? And so my, my life application would be applying that to just my friendships and all my, all my relationships, you know, the people that I love, that I really enjoy, learn how to follow them in ways instead of being wanting to lead them. Uh, that's what I'm going to work on. So a, a little bit of a, of a closing thought here. <clears throat> My sister Maddie came over a few years ago to record, to record some songs. And uh, <clears throat> I thought... I, I was looking at my computer because I thought she had recorded this this track with her ukulele and singing. And uh, I might forget where I put my phone or my keys, but I would never delete recordings or lose recordings on my computer. Like that is something that I will not lose. I will only intentionally delete. And so when I couldn't find the song, I was like, dude, what? How did how could this happen? I looked through, I have some external drives, like I have backups of my backups with music because I don't ever want to lose the files. So I'm looking at all my backups and I'm I can't find it anywhere. And so I I shared it with Becky. I was like, dude, I I swear I have this somewhere, but I can't find it. She's like, why don't you just call Maddie? And I was like, yeah, call my sister and say, hey, I lost a song that you recorded. Can I get your copy? <laughs> like that's kind of embarrassing. And so uh, uh, I had to run. I had to run to the grocery store, and uh, in preparation for for this, when I was doing preparation for the song, I had to run to the grocery store, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to bite the bullet and call her. I hadn't called her for a while anyway, so I called her, and I'm like, hey, this is kind of embarrassing, but didn't you record? I will follow you into the dark, and she's like, no, no, we didn't record that at all. <laughs> I was like, okay, in a way that makes me feel better because I didn't lose it, but now I also feel like an idiot, like a complete idiot. And so um, she said, but hey, I, I, can, uh, I can record it quick. Um, I can record it quick, just open air. And I said, you know what? That would actually, that would probably be really cool. If you want to just push record on your phone, play a little ukulele and sing. So <clears throat> while I don't want to play the artist's version of these songs for copyright issues, um, uh, I, I am going to go ahead and attach now yeah. my, my sister singing and playing I Will Follow You Into the Dark by Death Cab for Cutie. Clasp so 
Catholic school As vicious as Roman rule I got my knuckles bruised By a lady in black And I held my tongue As she told me, son Fear is the heart of love So I never went back If heaven and hell decide That they both are satisfied Illuminate the nose On their vacancy signs If there's no one beside you When your soul embarks Then I'll follow you into the dark You and me Have seen everything to see to Calgary and the soles of your shoes are all worn down the time for sleep is now but it's nothing to cry about cause we'll hold each other soon in the blackest dark